0: It's a fig leaf for a uh, for a small incursion into Ukraine. When he was running for president a couple of years ago, candidate Joe Biden said Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. It's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe to toe with him. Well, they just went toe to toe over Ukraine. And guess who's got stubbed? Everybody, I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott. Gentlemen, you all know about the news from Ukraine. Uh, Russian strongman Vladimir Putin declared that he was recognizing the independence of those two little Ukrainian statelets that are ethnically Russian and have been in dispute since 2014, which frees him up to send in, you know, peacekeeping troops. Uh, or whatever he's going to call him. Who knows? It's it's a fig leaf for a uh, for a small incursion into Ukraine. Let's let's just borrow that phrase from President Joe Biden. Um, Bill, White House spokesweasel Jen Psaki said on uh, Monday afternoon the President Biden will soon issue an executive order that will prohibit new investment, trade, and financing by U.S. persons—this is sounding pretty serious, isn't it—to, from, or in the so-called DNR, that's the Donetsk People's Republic, and the LNR, that's the Luhansk People's Republic regions of Ukraine— um, Wow. These are sanctions. This would be like Russia going to economic war with the United States by refusing trade with certain people in Puerto Rico. Uh, Is this the firm response you were expecting?
1: It's the response I was expecting. Uh, Was it the DNR and the PNR? LNR. LNR so basically what the president of the United States has done is by saying we will no law, we will provide we will sanction any trade with the DNR and the LNR he's basically said that the that the DNR and the LNR actually exist and therefore given justification to to uh, Vladimir Putin for invading what what are essentially just regions of the Ukraine when the when the president of the United States refers to these two areas essentially granting Putin his case. And uh, I took a look at the map uh, after our backstage show and before this show and took a look at the borders of Ukraine, and there are no actual outlines for those two particular mini states that Putin claims are in existence. So the question becomes, did he cross the border of Ukraine, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, and it is, then that's an invasion of the Ukraine. Now, as it turns out, We have plenty of examples of this kind of thing, but none of them more clear than with our friend Adolf Hitler, who who basically did this with the Sudetenland. He was slowly building his empire. He knew he couldn't go too fast. So basically what he did was he said there's an area of Czechoslovakia, which is in Czechoslovakia, that has a lot of Germans in it. And since there's a lot of Germans in it, we need to go in there and protect those Germans. And so he invaded Czechoslovakia, and then he got the rump half of Czechoslovakia by intimidation a few months later. So this is what happens. And folks, there's one history lesson to be taken away from this. It's the most important lesson in all of human history. I, as a historian, I'm telling you, this is the only thing you really need to know. After World War II was over, we got a hold of the of the records of the uh, Oberkommando de Wehrmacht, the OKW. This was the German uh, chief of staff, essentially the German joint chiefs. We got a hold of their records. We got to find out what the German generals were actually saying at the time that they said them. And what the German generals were saying was this. Prior to his, uh, his, his uh, protection uh, incursion into the Sudetenland, the first thing that Adolf Hitler did that violated the Treaty of Versailles, the first border that he actually crossed, was the border into the Rhineland, German territory, but the, of, the Treaty of Versailles said you cannot have armed troops in there because if you do, then we don't have a buffer and we haven't been impressed with you, so far. The German generals at the OKW wrote to each other and they said this, if a French policeman had been standing on the bridge between Germany and the Sudetenland, one French policeman had been standing on that bridge. Hitler would have turned around and then they would have deposed Hitler. Uh, The absence of a French policeman caused World War II because that was the first time that you let a man who was determined to get what he wanted cross a line and not do anything about it. So the only line that Vladimir Putin has crossed is the border with Ukraine. And now we have basically said, well, I suppose you can have these these territories and that territory and so on. They're not even marked on a map, Steve. They're not even marked on a map. There is a line that's marked on the map, and Russian tanks have crossed it, and we didn't do anything. Um, so we'll pay the consequences.
0: Uh, just to be clear, uh, Hitler didn't invade the Sudetenland. He was given it by the British and French at uh, at Munich when Chamberlain thought he was buying
1: peace in our time. Um, he, he he occupied it yeah, essentially. He, yeah. he made the case I, for it. The next thing you know, it's yeah. Just I just German wanted to uh,
0: Make sure that was no. You're, uh, right. clear for you're our right. audience.
1: Thanks for the clarification. And
0: now I don't think it's worth us going to war with Ukraine. I've or in Ukraine, I've said time and time again. I don't want to go to war with Russia. And I certainly don't want to go to war with Russia over Ukraine. That said, if you're going to engage in a bunch of tough guy talk like Joe Biden has, you put the reputation of the United States on the line. And these these not even half measures, these these 10th measures are just almost embarrassing as, as
1: the collapse of our reputation here. Uh, and, what, and what about the rest of Europe? You think they might have had something to say about this, given yeah. uh, recent memory?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, such a cluster fudge, uh, Scott, Joe Kent, he's a, a GOP congressional candidate in Washington state, uh, tweeted on uh, Monday or Tuesday that reopening the Keystone XL pipeline and flooding the market with U.S. energy is the most counter Putin measure we can take that strengthens us and hurts him. And that's the end of the quote. And of course, Biden is the one who canceled Keystone XL. And I don't think you can just reignite that uh, just by unsigning an executive order. A lot of Stuff is going away in terms of getting that done. Uh, but we could stop this this war on U.S. domestic energy production that Biden has been engaging for the last year. And that would hurt Putin a lot. The Saudis, too. It's you know, it's win, win, win. Cheaper gas for us. Uh, do you see Biden taking that kind of a step?
2: Uh, no, I don't. And for a couple of reasons, I mean, th- those of you getting fuel at the pump realize that the price has been going up and and you probably realize that the price of oil, which uh, last I heard was at about $100 a barrel now. So it's up substantially from what it was just a couple of years ago. Um that is determined by contracts that are purchased months in advance. I think it's something like uh, half a year in advance that a lot of these contracts are being purchased. so those when you hear the Brent crude pricing and stuff like that, it is for oil futures uh, that are purchased for down the line. Um, so you know that doesn't create an instant reaction, but I think that that uh author that you or that uh, candidate that you mentioned is on the right track, ramping up production and opening our pipelines, so to speak. Uh, for more oil, reducing the price of oil that uh that uh, russia can get and and uh John McCain and others have suggested that Russia is just a gas station <laughs> um that uh that that would be helpful uh to us and hurtful to putin. I want to clarify just in case anybody misheard what you said about the extent of u s sanctions that President Biden is talking about. these are not hurting anybody currently doing business in those areas. these are sanctions against new business. So essentially, nobody was (laughs) punished except for perhaps a handful of people who may be engaged in current negotiations for things that they hope to do in the future. So nobody's wrist got slapped who's actually there. So to me, that's a pretty hollow sanction. It's just basically saying, well, we're not going to let you do business in the future for what you've done in the past. Instead of saying, OK, you you took a foot, we're, we're taking consequences that are uh, concomitant with what you have done, and we're going to do it now so that you can feel the impact of it now. Unfortunately, I don't think Biden understands, and I, I don't know where this muscular foreign policy uh, has ever been what, that he talked about in the campaign, but he doesn't seem to basically grasp that you have to treat a strong man with strength. Um, you have to be able to take on a guy like Putin, not, in, not with, uh, you know, waving the bloody shirt or, you know, saber rattling and stuff like that, but you need to take firm, decisive concrete action that hurts, short of war, I think, at this point. I think you're right about that, at least for the near future. Uh, and uh, I don't see that coming out of the Biden administration. Now, the sad thing is, at some point, if you pursue a uh, equivocation and appeasement, as it seems like the Biden administration is doing with regard to Vladimir Putin, you eventually invite more aggression to the point where you are going to have to go to war. You'll have to be- do it because uh, Putin will take advantage of your weakness in exercise of his strength. And then you'll be backed into a corner and nothing good can come of that.
1: Can I just add one thing, Steve, because you talked about not wanting to go to war in Ukraine. I don't want to go to war in Ukraine either. The entire point of the policeman on the bridge is that it prevents you from going to war. Yep. Exactly. That's the entire point. It, it it calls the bluff of somebody who will be deterred. And, and if you don't deter him, you you create in his mind the same kind of extraordinarily dangerous overconfidence that Hitler had, that Stalin had, that Osama bin Laden had, that all of them had. If they had been stopped early, then they would not have achieved what they, what they managed to achieve, which is an enormous amount of death and ruin.
2: And exactly. in Germany, Germany and the UK have both released stronger sanctions than the Biden administration has. And, and yep. I think, you know, even in sanctioning, he has been weak.
0: Yeah. Uh, Germany shut down uh, construction on Nord Stream 2, which was (laughs) going to be Putin's final uh, uh, stranglehold on uh, on Europe's energy supplies.
1: They so, should have put a German private and a British private on the road and def- <laughs> and dared those Russian tanks to run over. Well, that's the, what they should have done.
0: The the thing is, instead of doing that, Biden practically invited invited them in a month ago when he said, "Oh, right. we want a oh, minor
1: incursion." Yeah, we no, wouldn't no we problem. wouldn't
0: do all these harsh sanctions that we have lined up if it were just a minor incursion. Biden's exact words. And so Putin set it up so that it looks like. A minor incursion. And that was on Monday of this week. On Tuesday, I just saw this breaking news item. Uh, I can't remember where I saw this, and it's only the headline. But apparently on Tuesday morning, uh, Rocky Mountain time, uh, Putin said that the Minsk agreements, those are the ones he signed with a bunch of European countries and I think the U.S. a couple of years ago uh, protecting Ukraine, Minsk agreements no longer exist. Ukraine must be demilitarized and give up NATO ambitions. A lot to unpack there, but apparently Putin now isn't stopping at the Sudetenland. Um, As Bill mentioned, about six months after Hitler got the Sudetenland, he just rolled into the rest of Czechoslovakia because, well, he had all the border forts already in the Sudetenland. It was easy. Um, And he
1: knew the British and the French wouldn't do anything about it.
0: Exactly. At this point, Putin is calling for, at best, the Finlandization of Ukraine, if you'll recall Finland was tough enough and lucky enough not to get overrun by the Soviets in World War II. But after World War II and until the end of the Cold War, Finland's foreign policy was essentially run out of, out of Moscow. They were not allowed their own foreign policy, and there, there was a lot of Soviet influence over their, their even their domestic government. That is what it looks like uh, Putin is aiming for in Ukraine, which I wrote for PJ Media just a couple of weeks ago. That was probably what he was going to do. And here we are, and it didn't have to be this way because we didn't have, as Bill said, that one man on the bridge. And if you'd asked me a year and a half ago when we had a different president whether we should negotiate away Ukraine's independence effectively over some sort of Finland-type arrangement, I would have said, oh, hell no. But right now, with everything else that Joe Biden's given away, I'm afraid that might just be the best case scenario. There's your right angle on that, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Hey, quick reminder, content like this needs sponsors like you. Go to BillWhittle.com, become a member, or just make a one-time donation. We'd sure appreciate your support to keep these shows coming. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time.
3: hell are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? We created a disaster in Afghanistan under this president. We have a disaster with Iran. We have a disaster on our border. And now Russia. I am sick and tired of people projecting their, their honor and their their courage and, and their genius and their knowledge on the rest of us claiming This isn't Russia's fault. Russia needs its space, folks. It needs its space. What do you you want to go to war with Russia? Do you want to send your kids to fight? Now most of the people who say this are ignoramus. This because they don't realize, I suppose, that we have a volunteer army, not a draft. So nobody's sending anybody to do anything unless they want to do it. But that aside, that argument could be made all the time. Now, what are all these great sanctions that are coming down on Putin? What are they? Two banks. That the oligarchs can't do business outside Russia? Those are the great sanctions so far? Well, no wonder Putin's ignoring them and laughing at them. This is the best Europe can do, and the United States can do, and our other allies can do. This is the best we can do? Why aren't we pouring arms into Ukraine? We've done it before in our history. We had the Berlin airlift. 1967, we had the airlift. Excuse me. The Yom Kippur War, we had the airlift where Nixon was sending weaponry into to Israel. Why are we having a major effort now to arm the Ukrainians? I'm not talking about sending American infantry in to fight the Russians. And what is it with these liars on TV who keep spewing such crap? There's a lot we can do. Well, what does it have anything to do with us? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because Hungary and Poland are on the border and the Balkans and and NATO, that's been an alliance since the end of World War II that we set up to prevent... Hopefully a situation like, maybe it has something like that. Or maybe Xi's watching and he has his eyeballs on Taiwan. Or should we let Taiwan go too? Taiwan, Israel, sure, they can all go to hell, right? Who are these fools on TV and radio? Not just the left, but who pretend to be conservatives. Conservatives believe in protecting this country. And prudence, not ideology, when it comes to international relations. Oh, and I love this argument. Well, Biden won't protect our border, and yet he wants to protect the Ukrainian border. No, he doesn't want to protect the Ukrainian border. He's done damn near nothing. And besides, that's not the guiding principle, what Biden does or doesn't do. We could secure our border, for God's sakes, and support our friends and allies. I know this is possible. We've only done it for more than half a century, and we did it under the last president, President Trump, when none of this was going on, none of it, the same mouthpieces, the George McGoverns of the Republican Party in TV and radio. When Trump took out Suleimani, they said Trump was provoking war with Iran. So in other words, any time we defend ourselves or our alliances, we're provoking war. What kind of sick mentality is this? You saw Putin the other day. You heard what he said. He wants all those countries back in his orbit, whether they like it or not. How many of you are Polish? How many of you are Hungarian? How many of you are Russian and escaped from there? How many of you are Ukrainian? And I can go on and on and on, the 15 captive states. Do you think Hungary supports what Russia's going to do? No. Why? None of their business. They're not Ukraine. Because they know. You have to be Helen Keller not to see and hear what's been going on. The history of Europe is more than clear. Most of us had relatives, close relatives, who fought in World War II. The Germans, the Japanese, the Italians, the Russians, all have designs on their neighbors. Why did we have a Cold War? Why did we give a damn what happened to Europe? Why were we celebrating when the Soviet Union collapsed if we don't give a damn? In fact, why do we have a military that's so big? Maybe the American Marxists are right. Maybe the the neon surrender crowd in the Republican Party is right. Maybe we ought to slash the military by 75%. Just put nuclear subs on our shores. Just have a few jets, a few bombers here and there. Screw everybody else. Here we are. Where's their red line? If it's not Ukraine, is it Hungary? If it's not Hungary, is it Poland? Where do we draw the line? And why does it matter where we draw the line when it'll be too damn late? So no, the choice isn't between absolute appeasement and, in fact, overt support for Putin, which is what I'm hearing, or nuclear war in American troops. That's not the choice. It wasn't the choice under Reagan when he destroyed the Soviet Union. And it's not the choice today. But by God, where are the sanctions? Where are they? Oh, we got sanctions lined up, baby. Putin's going to know. He's going to be punished. All day long, I'm reading about these sanctions. It's a couple banks. It's a, It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. What does Ukraine have to do with us? Then the next question. What does Hungary have to do with us? What does Poland have to do with us? Or as they asked, as the British were fighting the Germans less than a century ago, what do the British Isles have to do with us? We're over here. We're okay. That's their problem. They deserve what they're getting anyway. What do the slaughter of the people, what does the slaughter of the people in Ukraine have to do with us? What does the, next, what do the concentration camps have to do with us? Oh, you know, you neocons. Anytime you hear some punk use that phrase, they're talking about Jews. They're talking about Jewish intellectuals. And you know, it's a funny thing. When I look at Putin, Putin reminds me of like a Klansman. Doesn't he, you Mr. Producer? Without the hood. He just, he just reminds me of a Klansman, this guy. But it's amazing. The neocons. What do they mean by that? This is a movement that was formed by mostly intellectual Jews in the 50s who stood up against Stalin. Many have became Republicans. Many of them supported Ronald Reagan, were in his administration. So what are they trying to say to you about the neocons? What neocon? Who are they talking about? Is Joe Biden a neocon? Is Blinken a neocon? Who's the neocon? What are they talking about? Are the neocons all getting together with a script and saying, hey, we want to go to war? We want Russia to invade Ukraine so we can go to war. We're part of the war machine. What are they talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Why do they use such labels? No. I want to know. What's the issue? And yet it's they who are the appeasers to a former KGB senior operative... For the old communist Soviet Union. And some of these people on the left and the right. Remember we're not on the left or the right. We are constitutional conservatives. We're patriots. We're Americans. No left and right here. We embrace unalienable rights. We embrace our history. We embrace the basis for our history. And our founding documents. It's not a right. We don't define ourselves by how our our opponents define us, but some people really are. Putin is not just a nationalist. He's a thug. The man is estimated to be worth $40 billion. Boy, what an entrepreneur he is, huh? He kills his opponents. Kills them. There should be nobody on radio or TV who makes excuses for him. And those of us who know exactly what's going on, we haven't been brainwashed because of the ideologies being pressed on us out there. No. And for CNN and MSNBC and the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and the rest of that cabal, you're the bastards who've always supported Russia and the Soviet Union. You're the bastards who took on Reagan, who attacked Reagan, who wanted to build these defensive missile systems, and here we have Russia way ahead on hypersonic missiles that could blow the New York Times building right off the face of the earth in about 10 seconds. Maybe now they understood what Reagan was talking about. Probably not. Reagan being a neocon and all, I guess. The incompetence, the foolishness, the failure of Biden and his administration, the failure to prepare, the failures in Afghanistan and Iran and elsewhere are a disaster to this country, but should not be used as camouflage for celebrating and supporting Vladimir Putin. Period. Period. Of course, nobody wants to go to war. Nobody wants their kid to go to war. We out of our minds? And if you don't want your kid to go to war, he's not going to war. But we didn't choose to be attacked at Pearl Harbor. We didn't choose to be attacked on 9-11. War doesn't begin in Kansas and Iowa, New Hampshire and so forth. We have to be mature, thoughtful adults about what's taking place here, not ideologues who knee-jerk and label to push your own idiotic agenda. This isn't federal contractors and neocons conspiring to support a war. There's a war taking place. The Russians are invading Ukraine. Ukraine. Ukraine is an ally. We forced Ukraine to denuclearize. They have no serious defenses. And they're on the border with NATO countries. Should we get out of NATO too? Think about this, folks. I may be the last real conservative standing. I may be the last Reaganite standing. But I'm standing, and I ain't going anywhere. I'll be right back.
4: Mark Lovin.
3: You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's the pacifists. Self-described, or the, the appeasers, the neo-appeasers. The sellouts. It's their... Propaganda and their ideology that leads to more deaths of Americans every damn time. Every damn time. Communist regimes, fascistic regimes, tens of millions of citizens dead. These pied pipers of stupidity actually want you to believe that Just be observers. There's no reason to to take sides. There's no reason to assist an ally. There's no reason to fear an enemy. As long as we stay away, they won't bother us. But if you think about it, they have no guideposts. What's an enemy? Virtually all of those in public life who defend, support, or choose not to expose Vladimir Putin for who he is, feel exactly the same way about the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. How many have watched these commercials, Tunnel to Towers, Wounded Warriors, and on and on and on? So many of these men and women, serving in Afghanistan, serving in Iraq... suffered their casualties at the hands of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. Not all, but way too many. I guess that's our fault too. When we start to sound like AOC or Tulsi Gabbard, when we start to sound like the most radical elements of the Marxist-Socialist movements In the 50s and 60s. When we start to spit up the same language as George McGovern of some decades ago, we conservatives, then by God, we've lost our way. I can tell you that. I'll be right back. Matt Lee has been the... uh, State Department correspondent for the Associated Depressed for years and years and years. You know, if you listen to this program, from time to time we've actually played clips of him questioning the spokespeople at the State Department. And you have this guy, Ned Price, and Matt Lee presses him. And uh, he's very much worth listening to. Cut five. Go.
4: So it sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that your argument, that your argument is that if you had imposed the sanctions earlier, the Germans wouldn't have suspended, done what, the Germans wouldn't have done what they did yesterday, or it would have been a much bigger lift uh, to get them to, to get them to do that.
5: I, we, what we have said, and our, what, our strategy has been predicated on the knowledge uh, that transatlantic unity is the most uh, powerful it, instrument we have.
4: But uh, I, I don't, but, but look, the pipeline's already been built. Okay. Now, whether it gets turned on or not I, is, is well, another is, but, is, is is another question. Right. So, so you, but you presumably you, you had more leverage, and and I don't understand why you don't think that you would have had more leverage if it hadn't been if these sanctions have been imposed before the pipeline was finished
5: so matt you also raise a good point uh the pipeline when this administration came into office was more than 90 percent complete Uh, we have imposed sanctions under pisa uh, on uh, a number of uh, targets associated uh, with this pipeline persons and entities Uh, but the fact is that had we sanctioned uh, Nord Stream 2 AG, had we sanctioned its corporate office holders, uh, it is far from clear that that would have kept the pipeline from going into operation. What the Germans did yesterday uh, was to ensure that the pipeline is no longer part of the equation. So by acting together with the Germans how we did, when we did and the way in which we did, uh, we have ensured uh, that this is an $11 billion prize investment that is now a hunk of steel uh, sitting at the bottom of the sea. All
4: right. Well, I, I don't think you can prove uh, and, and the, the converse can't be proven either. But you just you just don't know if imposing the sanctions earlier would have had more of a deterrent effect or any deterrent. Well, effect, if, since if, since
5: if, since if, if we would have made it a sunk cost many, many months ago for the Russian Federation, I don't think that would have had much deterrent capability.
4: Well, it hasn't anyway. So
3: I'll leave it there. Cut Six, another reporter.
2: North Stream 2 sanctions, are those permanent, or do you think that, like, like you know, the, the the permanent punishment for this is that that's gone, or do you regard that as something that could be lifted again later in exchange for de-escalation? And can we also get uh, an answer to uh, Foreign Minister Kaleva's request for a lend lease program? Do you expect that to proceed?
5: Uh, look, uh, the fact is that sanctions are a means to an end. Uh, there is no sanction in any responsible sanctions program around the world uh, that is permanent. Uh, and that is precisely because we don't sanction countries uh, just with the goal of enacting sanctions. Uh, this is uh, not a policy uh, to be purely Oh, my purely God.
3: Putin. Oh, my Lord. So he just told Putin, just rope-a-dope us for a while. You'll eventually get your pipeline back. Now, what should have been asked and what could have been asked of Ned Price and the other yokels is, why in the hell are you tightening the screws to the American fossil fuel industry, the oil industry, when in fact that would be one of the most powerful tools that we could use against the Russians? I hope I'm helping the the neo-appeasers and the others to understand how this works. We could have flooded the markets in Europe, flooded the markets all around the world. We're buying a significant percentage now of our own oil, again, from the Arabs and even Russia. Why? Under Trump, just a little over a year ago, we were energy independent. Can you imagine? Putin needs the money to run his army. We could have choked them off. One pipeline's not going to do the trick. They actually have two pipelines, you know. And they're actually still selling the royal, including to us, right now. And so what this administration has done is they have surrendered one of the key economic tools that we have to stop the Russian army and to stop Putin. But because they're so aligned with the American Marxist phony climate change movement, Biden dare not do that. The Democrats are not going to defend us. They're not going to do it. It's really quite unbelievable. Now, I wasn't going to do this, but I am going to do this. There's a man by the name of Alexander Vindman. You may have heard of him. He was the colonel. And by the way, anybody who wants to sue me, Hillary Clinton, Alexander Vindman, you know where I am. It'll be the greatest mistake of your life. I will conduct discovery. I will get every text. I will get every email. I will personally depose you under penalty of perjury. Uh, we will know all about you from your blood type, how many hemorrhoids you ever had. We will know every damn thing there is to know. I've done this for way too long, even before I've done radio. So I don't respond well to bullies and threats. In fact, in fact, I respond very angrily. And that goes for Alexander Vindman on CNN today. And what does he do? He attacks Trump. This is Trump's fault. But what does Meghan McCain do? She takes out of context, cherry picks what Trump is saying, and attacks Trump. The rhinos and their ilk, the Vinmans and their ilk, are a disgrace. This isn't the view. This isn't some phony impeachment hearing, also, where this clown Vindman is protected for no reason whatsoever from real scrutiny. It's Trump's fault, ladies and gentlemen. As you must know. Anyway, so we have this man. He's on the march. We have M.J. Lee, CNN White House correspondent. I don't even know who these people are. They just pop up all over the place. They must just yank him out of journalism school. Cut nine, go. Go. But a
1: question that the White House is now grappling with is what purpose do these sanctions serve? Because, Don, remember, up until today, the White House had said these sanctions are meant to be a deterrence. We are not going to announce them until Russia has actually invaded Ukraine, because the hope is that the threat of these sanctions would stop Russia from invading. Good so- for
3: her. That is an actual good analysis, short and coherent. Way over Don Lemon's head. I thought these sanctions were going to be crushing. Isn't that weird? Aren't you sick of Joe Biden lying all the time? Aren't you sick of Joe Biden waving his finger in his fist and it turns out he's a coward and a buffoon? God knows I am. And everybody knows it. This has been a failure. His sanction, the first tranche. Don't you love when they talk like you're the first tranche. Of sanctions have been unleashed. And as things get worse, things are worse, you idiots. The first tranche is going to be serious. They're not. And nobody gives a crap. Then we have Ambassador Linda Thomas Greenfield. You remember her? Oh, she's a good, good one. Radical left wing kook. Remember her? Trashing our country at the United Nations? Birthing women, all that crap. We have like all the wrong people in the in these places. Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, President, Vice President. All a bunch of kooks. Speaker of the House. Her dentures falling out of her mouth today when she's speaking. Not literally, but sure as hell looks like it. Then you got Schumer davening there. Nobody even knows what he's saying. He's over there in the corner. So here's this Thomas Greenfield. Cut, 10, go.
6: Colleagues, President Putin gave us the clearest indication of his intentions on Monday when he asked the world to travel back in time by more than 100 years before the United Nations even existed to an age of empires. You know it's
3: interesting? Sir- I hear these people say that about our own country, don't they, Mr. Producer?
6: Travel back to the
3: founding of America. When it was good, I was good, the indigenous peoples and they, they, they. I think Putin learned it from them.
6: I think Putin learned from the American Marxists, his own propaganda. Go ahead. Russia can recolonize its neighbors and that he will use force. He will use force to make a farce of the United Nations. The United States rejects that firmly. This is 2022. We're not going back to an era of empires and colonies or to the USSR or the Soviet Union. We're not, but he is. And we're not prepared to do a damn
3: thing about it. I asked a question on my opening monologue on Fox three Sundays ago that has been repeated since on the same network. What will this administration do? God forbid. If those Russian tanks start to roll into Hungary or Poland, what will they do? And what will the mouthpieces on TV and radio? Who are so in love with Putin? What will they say? It's okay? Maybe we can get some kind of signed agreement. Maybe we'll even sign it in Munich. You never know. What will they say? It's none of our business.
6: Go ahead. We have moved forward, and we must ensure, as the permanent representative from Kenya said in the Security Council on Monday night, that the embers of dead empires do not ignite new forms of oppression and violence. Unfortunately, the fake reality Russia wants to create is already having real consequences for the people of Ukraine and for the world.
3: Yeah, how about that? It's called Realpolitik. So, why didn't this administration properly arm the Ukrainians? Why? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My son, Chase. Chase our wonderful son, our wonderful son got married yesterday, Mr. Producer, did you know that? To a one his wonderful bride Taylor. And our family is ecstatic. They got married on 22222, it's going to be hard to forget that anniversary date. So from the family from the family We wish them all the best. I am an extremely blessed father. An extremely blessed father. To have the children that we have. All of them. All of them. But that's a big occasion. So, folks, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to follow the Pied Pipers of lunacy? if you listen very carefully to them, they are defenders of Putin. They rarely condemn Putin. Rarely. They make these diversionary arguments that are absolutely irrational, and yet, demagogically, they are attractive. We should be focused on China, not Russia. Oh, I see. Even though they're in an alliance, we should focus on one versus another. We can prioritize importance, But that doesn't mean you pretend that one's not an enemy. When one views you as an enemy, and they're building hypersonic missiles, and by the way, they've already installed them. And guess what? They're aimed at our cities. Our cities. You can be diverted arguments over borders. Well, Biden won't even secure our border. We're going to send troops to defend the Ukrainian border. We're not sending troops to defend the Ukrainian border. When did we do that? Who's doing that? We're not even putting heavy sanctions on Putin. But we ought to secure our border, and we ought to make sure that our allies, that their sovereignty is respected. And that if a bully like Putin and a country like Russia is going to roll their tanks in there, and they're way outgunning the Ukrainians, thanks to this administration that we're going to make them pay a price, and they can pay a price without us sending infantry there. I wouldn't want to send infantry there under this commander-in-chief. We saw what he did in Afghanistan. So these are phony arguments. Phony. And these are the same people who defend the Iranian regime, which wants to build and is building intercontinental ballistic missiles so they can put nuclear warheads on them and threaten us. Is that a good thing, ladies and gentlemen? Is that our business? We can go on and on. Can't we? And we should. It's a rough world out there. We've been in many wars. Not just the latest wars. We've been in many wars. And in many of these wars, we've been dragged into these wars. And in some cases, we needed to be dragged into these wars, like World War II. Not by choice, but by fact. Most of the people who are sitting on their fat asses in Washington and New York, neither they nor their family members have served in the military. Some have, most have not. Their perspective is the perspective of a Washington insider. We conservatives have had cycles of this sort of mentality. A lot of opposition to entry into World War II. We even have, after the fact, rewriting of history. That poor Japan wouldn't have attacked us if only we hadn't cut off their oil supplies. Japan wouldn't have attacked us. I mean, that is that is drunken stupidity. And you and I should not fall for this. We should be very sober about what's taking place. I'll be right back. This past Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, it was the number one show all weekend on Fox, Saturdays and Sundays. I want to thank you, because you and this radio audience make that possible. And you mark it down, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, which I appreciate. You have it on automatic record with your DVR, which I appreciate if you can't watch it live. And uh, we're going to have a hell of a show this Sunday. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will talk about what's going on in the world, particularly with Russia. And he's also a Republican candidate in the Republican primary for governor of Texas. He's not happy with what's happening to the Lone Star State. And he doesn't think Governor Abbott's done enough to secure the border. And since he gets no airtime, he should get some, he'll get it with me. Now you backbenchers, I know you're calling your producers now, just sit tight, I'll show you the way. And James Carfano, you heard him on the program the other night, he's very impressive. We'll dig further into this as well. And man, the following week, if things go as planned, we have a huge guest, big surprise, You might think that's the President of the United States, former President Trump, and that would be fantastic, but that's not it. All right. Let's continue. Joe Biden, Mr. Tough Guy. Mr. Corn Pop with the hair standing up on his legs. Well, that's the only place he has hair. couldn't stand up on the top of his head until he got the corn plugs up there. You see the corn cornrows? Whoever did his hair job. Ought to be sued for everything they're worth. Apparently they went on to Schumer and did the same thing. And I think we ought to build a pipeline to Schumer's hair. I really do. I've talked about this, what, for two decades, Mr. Producer? Looks like a lot of oil to me. But Joe Biden, of course, Mr. Tough Guy, before he gets elected, he's going to defeat the virus. Oh, yeah. He's Mr. Unity. He's Mr. Moderate. He's Mr. Dumbass. That's what he is. He's always been. Nasty, stupid man. And there he is, cringing his way through the presidency. As our nation suffers as a result of his agenda. So here's a montage of Biden's promises to stand up to Putin. Cut one, go.
1: Putin knows if I am President of the United States... His days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I've gone ahead. And, and
3: I want you to keep in mind the media were behind this guy, the Democrat Party is found. Fa- they know he is profoundly stupid. They know it. Putin's going to know that he's a tough guy. Putin's going to know that he means business. No, Putin's going to know that he and his family are bought and paid for by more than one government. And that our fantastic media and our fantastic criminal justice system does next to nothing about this Biden. Go ahead.
1: And made it clear to him we're not going to take any of his stuff. I'm going to stand up to him. I don't believe we're a nation that's going to bow
2: down to Vladimir Putin.
1: Ah, know- shut
3: up, you idiot. You're the one bowing down, you dummy. Yeah, with Afghanistan and Iran and China and now it's Russia. You know what the hell you're doing? And those misfits that you have around you, one dumber than the next. Listen to this Blinken guy. It's embar- this guy, uh, what is his name, Sherman, Mr. Producer, the NSA guy? Sullivan, whatever the hell his name is. Jake Sherman? Mr. Dirty Tricks? Jake Sullivan, Jake Sherman, just jerkface, whatever it is. And then of course Nancy Pelosi has to she has to comment on this, you see. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. Obviously she, John Kerry, Schumer, Biden. They got a group deal with this plastic surgeon, it's obvious. If you look carefully, Kerry looks like Pelosi. Pelosi looks like Kerry. Schumer looks like a homeless guy with a spaghetti mop on his head. And Biden looks like a guy who keeps walking into a wall. All right, Pelosi, today. Cut to go. We are very
7: proud of our vice president who made, well, our president... No, we're not.
3: We cringe at our vice president. We're embarrassed by our vice president. She's an idiot. An absolute moron. And our president, we're so proud of our president. For what? Exactly.
7: Go ahead. We're very proud of our vice president who made, well, our president who, whose um, leadership oh, another has-
3: idiot who can't think, who can't speak. Yeah. We're very proud of our vice president, our uh, president. Leadership, just outstanding. Unbelievable. Go ahead outstanding
7: and the message was delivered to the conference by the vice president and it man, was well received.
3: nobody delivers a message to a conference better than the vice president well received as they shared their croissants and their orange juice it was unbelievable the impact she had
7: go ahead it was unifying it was firm in terms of you're an we idiot were.
3: cut three go
7: it's stunning To see, in this day and age, a tyrant roll into a country. This is the same tyrant who attacked our democracy in 2016. See
3: this? See this? This is the same who attacked our democracy in 2016. This is the, the sickening buffoon who Kingsinger and Cheney have gotten behind and are promoting. And Romney supports them. Went to a fundraiser for Cheney. Mr. Reducer, will you see if Romney has endorsed his colleague Mike Lee for re-election to the Senate? Would you check that out? I haven't heard that he has. Go ahead. This is the same tyrant who
7: is opposed to democracy and wants So are you, un- you
3: jerk, with proxy voting. Sarah, you, you jerk, with your omnibus bills, with your opposition to separation of powers, your coup attempts, your impeachments. You jerk. You're Vladimir Putin in a dress. Did he really say that? I sure as hell did. Or maybe she's Trudeau in a dress. Or maybe Trudeau is Pelosi in pants. I don't know. I'm so confused.
7: Go ahead. To, to, um, All right, down, cut four. Go uh, ahead. To some of you to some of the leadership of.
3: Uh, every, that, well, if you do look we, at. Do them- we have anybody? Anybody? In the leadership of the Democrat Party who can speak and complete actual sentences in a quasi literate way? Do we have one? Just one. With no cackling, with no davening. With no, uh, with no mumbling. Just one. We asked for one. And the answer is no, we don't have one. Top of cut four again. Mr. Producer, get the mumblers ready if you would, too. Cut four, go. I do do some of you to some of the leadership of. Uh, every,
7: well, if you look at the map and you oh, see yeah, Hungary yes. and you see how it is encircled. I'm hungry
3: right now. You want to know the truth.
6: Well, if you if you
3: look at the map and you see Hungary, and you see, go ahead, Belarus, Crimea. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa, whoa. Let's let's take this one from the top. It's just too good. Go ahead.
7: I do some of you to some of the leadership of. Uh, every, well, if you look at the map and you see mm-hmm. Hungary, and mm-hmm. you see how it is encircled: Russia, Belarus, mm-hmm. Crimea. Which they yeah. have taken over, but have you know it's still a danger now to Ukraine, and then you see Poland and Romania and all of those countries just abutting. Uh, that's a
3: Russian influence. Mhm-hmm. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that these other countries and NATO are really? Threatened. I think this is what you're trying to say, which is a good point, but you didn't say it. Here's what you said. Go, Mr. Beduce.
0: What are the... Can
4: they get a only the ghost track?
6: The uh, heaven. I. <clears throat>
3: it costs
4: when if you they just gave you gave them with the the, the withdrawal bringing U.S. home troops from home
2: and 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 the the the. You
4: know. You know. Uh, you, know uh, you 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 need somebody. Wait,
2: so, uh, what, finally. Wh- and, uh, um, i oh, I'm i
4: Of, 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 un,
7: uh, of, of, Bus- of, uh, budget.
4: But resist, we much, we must, and we will much about that be committed. I, am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a warrior.
0: <laughs> um, you know, the, the, that, it was. Uh, the,
4: the, 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 the I mean, they, 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 they said that. Look, the 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 the, yeah, the. lives are strip
3: Was it him?
4: Why I I, I I I didn't. It, 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 if 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 mm-hmm. we if we you know it. it uh... Boy, give you know, it, 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 it. We can walk and chew gum. The- we hold
1: these <laughs> truths to be self-evident: all men and women created by the-
2: God. You know the you know the thing. True international pressure.
4: Been impeached for inciting the erection. Donald John Donald John Trump <laughs> incited the erection insurrection.
2: And uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And
7: uh, to confidence in the integrity. Private uh, private. Uh, 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 Economic uh, part of the, um, the, um, uh, Mr. the Sen, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the
3: God help us. I'll be right back. love in Chris Van Holl is uh, the most translucent member of the congress i would say wouldn't you mr producer i would like a badly cut gemstone you can look right through the guy and you know what no conscience no soul no mind no principles fits in perfectly as a democrat member of the senate from maryland but chris van holland wants the people of maryland and the country to know something it's time for you to suffer price of gasoline's going through the roof price of food is going through the roof if you can get certain types of food the price of everything's going through the roof it's just incredible this country it's like the third world now because of th- what the democrats have done they have spent trillions they want to spend more they want to go back for more covid money is covid still with us and yet we now have, from a watchdog group, 19% of all the checks that were sent out under COVID, 19%. By my calculation, one out of every five was fraudulent. Tens of billions of dollars, and they want to spend more. Hey, it's the price of being a, a Marxist. What do, you, what, what do you care? And as tax time is coming around, and fewer and fewer of us, but many in this audience, are paying taxes, you have every reason to be disgusted. I pay so much in taxes. I'm so disgusted. But nobody cares. But Chris Van Hollen's there on MSLSD today. And um, he wants everybody to know that you're going to have some short-term pain, much like he does, of course. As a result of Russia invading Ukraine, the price of fuel is going to go up. Ladies and gentlemen, the price of fuel has been going up because the Democrats invaded the White House. And took over the presidency. And are destroying our economy from within. It's a very good polling question I would ask Fox and others to ask the common man and common woman or common transitioner. Who's done more damage to our economy? The Democrat Party? Or the Russians? It's a close call. Here he is, cut 11, go!
2: Jose, look, the reality is that this is a moment where we will have to experience uh, some short-term pain in order to make very clear uh, that Putin cannot invade Ukraine with impunity. There has so, to be- Jose,
3: uh, why don't you ask this buffoon, well, then why don't you open up our reserves? Why don't you open up our drilling? Why don't you back off these oil companies that you're destroying? Why don't you embrace uh, energy independence? That way our people don't have to experience short-term price increases and pain. And they're not short-term. You guys have been pushing it already. It's so logical. But the Democrats are ideological. They are pressed by an agenda that does not allow for reality to impact it. Go ahead.
2: A price on him and his... uh... Oligarch
3: and, and, and oligarch. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Nobody listens to morons like you, except the morons who vote for you. This this dummy. Like he knows something about the economy. Has this guy ever worked in the private sector? I know the private sector feeds his face, but I'm just wondering, has he ever worked in the private? Chris Van Hollen. Oh, Chris Van Hollen. But don't worry," he says. "You paying more for fuel will deter Putin, because this guy's such a deep thinker, and he's he knows so much about history, world history, and evil men and evil women. He's got it figured out. You pay more at the tank, then Putin will be deterred. If we pay more at the tank, will Biden be deterred too? One really has nothing to do with the other." Because as long as we're not producing fuel and flooding the system, driving down the price, driving down the price, then that tool is off the table, that economic tool that would directly and immediately impact the Russian military, their tanks and the rest. Because believe it or not, they're not moving towards electricity. Their electric tanks and their solar tanks and their windmills the propellers on their heads. That's right. They're just marching. Marching. So, Chris, Chris Van Hollen, if that is his name, Chris Van Hollen is as stupid as, uh, as the rest. And when I hear Chris Van Hollen, I'm thinking to myself, wasn't that guy in The Sound of Music, Mr. Producer? I think he was. I think he was in The Sound of Music at some point. Chris Van Hollen sounds familiar to me. He was one of the the B actors in The Sound of Music. Running up and down the mountains there. Yodeling or whatever the hell they did. No offense. He's a yodeler. All right, ladies and gentlemen, a lot more. I shall return. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's a documentary that's on about Lincoln. I've mentioned this before on the History Channel. And what's remarkable is that documentary, its first night was up against my show on Sunday. And yet we had over 2 million viewers, which is massive for a Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And yet I DVR'd it and watched it after my show. And I watched it the next night. When you watch a show like that, or you watch a show on Churchill or you watch a show on Washington and so forth, you know why these are great men. These are great men that make extraordinarily difficult decisions while all the men and women around them are running around like chickens without a head. While they're getting all kinds of static, all kinds of input, all kinds of competing ideas and contradictory ideas what the people will and won't support, and on and on and on, and you have to mentally push your way through all that to try and figure out what the right thing is to do and how to get in front of the situation. Lincoln insisted on keeping the Union together. And he eventually came to the position, always opposed to slavery, always, that slavery had to be a rallying cry as well. And no better man than Frederick Douglass embraced him. He signed the Emancipation Proclamation. was extremely unpopular in some quarters, including in the North, among so-called moderate Democrats who had sided with the Union. He's worried about some of the marginal states that weren't considered part of the confederacy certainly not initially <clears throat> like Kentucky and Missouri Maryland was half slave half not slave same with Delaware they hadn't thrown in with the confederacy but he had to worry about it he was a man who made enormously difficult decisions like Washington had to Washington lost almost every battle he was in with the Brits But he won the battles that won the war. They put everything on the line. Country torn into a hundred pieces. Churchill, he and his country, their backs were against the wall. He couldn't persuade the United States to get in because FDR couldn't persuade the American people to get in. That's why we cherish these men. That's why we honor these men. People will talk about Lincoln suspending habeas corpus, which he did. And under our Constitution, only Congress can do that. And I suspect today, the courts would say even Congress can't do it because the courts have gone rogue. And they get to decide everything. But that's another issue for another day. Why did he suspend habeas corpus? Because he was a dictator? Why is the president of Ukraine effectively put under arrest, house arrest, his opposition leader? Because the opposition leader is a corrupt mouthpiece for Putin. And his country's under attack. It's a war. Does that make him a dictator? Does that mean Ukraine isn't a democracy? If you listen to some demagogues, that's exactly what they'll tell you. But of course, that's what they are. Demagogues. Lincoln suspended habeas corpus, which was later codified by the Congress that agreed with him. Because after the first battle of Bull Run, with the first battle of Manassas in Virginia, the North lost and lost badly. You know what that meant? That meant the Confederate Army was on the other side of the Potomac facing Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, and certainly the capital of the Union. Where the Congress was, the President was, the Supreme Court was. He calls up the Massachusetts militia, which he could trust, to come down and help protect and encircle Washington, D.C., to protect the nation's capital, from an attack by the Army of Northern Virginia. What happens when that militia moves, or army moves from Massachusetts down through other states? Well, it stops in Baltimore on the way to Washington, D.C., Baltimore about 60, 65 miles from Washington. Washington. But Baltimore was among the most pro-slave cities in the North. They were having a lot of problems there. They were cutting the, the telegraph lines. It was difficult to get information. So Washington, D.C. was effectively encircled because big chunks of Maryland supported the Confederacy. They didn't break away, but they supported They were sympathetic to it. On the other side of the Potomac sat the Confederacy, the Confederate Army, if you will. So the, so the Massachusetts militia is moving through Baltimore, and what happens? They're attacked by a violent, huge mob of, of citizens from Baltimore. And they're pushed back, because they're far outnumbered. And Lincoln gets word of this, and he knows it's all over if Washington, D.C. is taken, and we can't have, he said, I can't have a riotous mob that's sympathetic to the Confederacy, such as it was, making it impossible to get troops down here to protect the Capitol. So he ordered the Army, the regular Army, to arrest anybody who got in the way, or they thought would get in the way. Without a judicial hearing, without due process, he said, throw them in jail. Get them down here. Protect the city. He suspended habeas corpus. Lincoln was a brilliant man. He was a lawyer. He knew what the Constitution said. But he also knew there wouldn't be a courthouse anywhere near the city of Baltimore to even take up these cases. And that's why he suspended habeas corpus, not because he was a tyrant. And that's why the president of Ukraine had to deal with his opposition party opposite. And that's why leaders do the things that they do sometimes. Not Trudeau, who just basically violated all traditions and customs in Canada took a law that was passed to deal with terrorists and applied it against his political opponents, who were not committing acts of war or anything of the kind. False False parallels will be made, of course, by those who support Putin and his regime, even in our own country. There is a wing in the Republican Party, a big wing in the Democrat Party, that will not criticize Putin and are highly sympathetic to him. Which is shocking. I, I view this as sort of... I said, when I look at Putin, I think of the Klan. I really do. And he reminds me of a thug. It's not his nationalist, the Russian nationalist and so forth. He's a fascist. That's what he is. That's why I don't even like that term, nationalist, because it gets, it gets uh, confused with what it really is intended to mean. That's why I say we support Americanism, not nationalism, Americanism. To be abundantly clear about this. So Joe Biden is not a Lincoln, he's not a Washington, he's not a Churchill. He's not any of those things, obviously. He's not going to step up and do what needs to be done. Period. And there are very few in our Congress who will, too. There are very few in our media who speak the truth about what's going on. Very few. They just go along. What do we do? The Ukraine, okay, you know, Ukraine, okay, tomorrow, hungry, all right, big deal. I've never been there. No, that's not right. Certainly not from my perspective. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. tell you the difference between populism and constitutional conservatism. The people who revolted against the monarchy, the founding fathers, later the framers of the Constitution, many of the same men, rejected populism. They rejected little d democracy. They embraced representative government, they embraced limited government, they embraced separation of powers. They, look how they created these institutions. A bicameral congress, two bodies, one where the senators were selected by the state legislatures, a house of representatives every two years elected directly by the people. That is the only part of a branch of government that was elected directly by the people. They feared mobocracy. They feared the French Revolution. They feared terror in the street. Our founding document is the Declaration of Independence. Do they talk about populism there? What do they talk about in the Declaration of Independence? What's the key to the Declaration, the core, unalienable rights. Rights that belong to each individual human being, regardless of the government, regardless if you vote, regardless if you live in a democracy. Now, why is that? Because you can't have unalienable rights that people vote for or vote against. Does your neighbor have the right to vote against your due process rights? Does your neighbor have the right to vote against your right to bear arms? Does the, your neighbor have the right to vote against your belief in God Almighty? You have unalienable rights as an individual, a circle of liberty through which you are not to be molested, whether by a vote or by a dictate. Because if you are molested in that respect, you're facing a tyranny. I am not a populist. I'm a constitutional conservative, like the framers of our Constitution. Maybe I'll elaborate on this a little bit more tomorrow. Certainly, I think I will have to at CPAC. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and our trucker friends. And some of these philosopher professors, Mr. Producer, they can go to hell.